Welcome. I'm really excited. This is something that I'm pretty passionate about. I mean, you know, I, I'll tell you a little bit of background real quick. I mean, I was I was raised in a church going home and, and went really to a, a Lutheran school until I was in sixth grade. But I've never really seen my parents... Really, I mean, we had a Bible. I mean, I had one, you know, that I held kind of when I got married. It was a little white Bible, but, I mean, the pages are probably still stuck together, and I probably still have it up in my closet. So I've never really seen my parents, you know, in the Word or anything. But now when I got married, I wasn't looking for a godly husband, but I just happened God linked me up with a very godly husband that had a family that truly loved the Lord. And I always say when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell them Julie sent me because my mother-in-law is just, a treat. Um, one thing, so what, I want to hear some of the things y'all thought about your home life before. Like what, what, what was the harmony in your home? What was one word that described your home life when you were being reared, like growing up? And what's one that you would describe your home now? Does anybody want to shout something out? Come on, ladies. Dysfunctional? Growing up or now? <laughs> uh, growing up. Okay. Well, there's some... Push the restart button. We can change that. What about some other things? Anybody else? Yeah. Stressful. Now or then? Yeah. Then. Okay. So what, what do we have going now? Tell me some things we have going now. Constant interruption. Constant interruption. Okay. Busyness. I mean, that's the season, so that's understandable. Um, I would say, you know, that's what we're going to kind of address today um, is just harmony in the home and what that looks like, what you can do to change the course of what your home was then and what you can make it now. And, you know, the old saying, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. There is truth to that. And so, you know, that's what my heart is going to be in, let me see where my little clicker is, is getting y'all to recognize what you can do. Um, This is my family. I do have a senior, and I'm very sad. I won't talk much about that because I'm sad to see her go next year. She is going to be an Aggie, and we're glad about that. Um, I have a son that was uh, just turned 14 on Valentine's Day, and then Gracie just turned 11 today. And I went in, and when I woke her up, I went in singing, and I I got in the bed and snuggled with her. And I said, what are you going to wear to school today? And she goes, clothes. I go, Gracie, that's disrespectful. She goes, well, what do you want me to wear, my birthday suit? And I go, Grace, no, I don't want you to wear your birthday suit either. So she's kind of, she's got my funny bone going. And then my husband, we've been married 20 years. So, woo, that's very good. Um, We're going to talk a lot about, you know, harmony in the home. We're going to talk about the heart. Um, and I don't know why I did it this way, but we're going to talk a lot about action, what you can do as a mother. We're going to talk a lot about respect, a lot about uh, merriment and having fun and really getting, getting that going, opportunities. I want to notice, and then the last is you and what you can do to kind of instill that. I will tell you that 20 years ago or 22 years ago when I really kind of decided, I mean, I'd heard a sermon that said, you know, what's your epitaph going to say? And it really spurred me on. It's really spurred me on to think, you know, what is my epitaph going to say? And I didn't like what I saw. So I knew I had to make some changes. And I asked the Lord at that time, I said, I really want you to move in my heart and change my heart. And so from then on out, I, you know, y'all are so fortunate to have this church and where you're getting spurred on, you're getting pointed back to Scripture. And, and I was in a good church because we were at Northwest Bible at the time and it was biblical. But I really didn't have, a, I mean, I had some friends, but not an accountability group and the importance of that I 
recognize now. But I was an avid not a reader, and I loved, I mean, you should see, I almost took a picture of my, my book, my armoire that I have all my books in. I would get anything I could. How to Really Love Your Children by Ross Campbell. You know, The Heritage. Uh, you know, just all these books. Ginger Plowman. I mean, I would get all these books, and my goal was to get one nugget out of it. Just show me one thing, Lord, that will sharpen me. And that's, you know, this, this last few weeks, I've really been praying for one of you. And I don't know which one it is, but one of you, I've really been saying, Lord, it's that one person. So my heart for y'all, if you don't get anything else out of this, is that you will get a love for God's Word. My son that just turned 14, we're the meanest parents in the world. He just got his first cell phone at 14. And so I know we are the meanest parents in the world because we've heard all along, I am the only one. And all, Gracie's friends all have cell phones. And I'm like, oh, dare to be different. Isn't that great? You're going to be different. Well, so I recognize today is my, char- my phone was dead and I couldn't find my charger. I was thinking, okay, this, I told my son on the way to school, this is so frustrating. Why does every single cell phone have a different charger? And it's just frustrating. Why don't they have one universal? And I thought, you know, ding, it's worldly and it's the, how they make their money. Because I told my son, I said, if I don't go home and find my charger before I go up there and speak, then I'm going to have to go buy me another one. And then we'll have ten chargers, you know. I mean, you've got the car, the this, the that. But I thought, you know, it's so applicable. One thing I can tell you for sure is that God's Word is a universal charger. And I don't care what child, what temperament, what heart, marriage problem, kid problem, parenting, I don't care what it is. There is encouragement and direction right here. And it's just for everybody. And I can assure you of that and if there's one thing I've learned, and, and I always thought to myself, would I ever, you know, I, I could see myself encouraging one lady like it encourages you in Titus to care, to care for one younger woman that's kind of walking behind you. I never thought I would be doing something like this. Because if you had told me 20 years ago, you know, one day you're going to get up and speak in front of a lot of people, I would have said, there is no way. But when you have a message that you're passionate about, you want to share it. You want to share it. So um, I, I just want you all to understand the heart in the harmony, the heart it is so important to get this. This impacts discipline. It impacts everything. When you recognize that sin began at the apple, every one of those sweet little babies that you have that come out and they're kicking and looking at you with those sweet eyes, you're going to deal with sin. Because their hearts, I mean, when you start looking at the Bible... And that's what I, first of all, before I start there, I want to just tell you that God's word to me now is, I don't term it as God's word anymore. I term it as his promises and his truth. Because I've seen too, I've got too much history there that I can't see that what, it's relevant. What he says is true. I mean, it just, I mean, it's just so relevant. So if you can get, I've started looking at scripture differently in my mind. When I read a scripture, I say to myself, what's the keyword search there? What is that in that scripture is God talking me right now. Like, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that it is truth. It's believe. That he wants us to believe. It's not the fact that what you're asking, he just wants you to believe that he will do what he what you ask him. You know, if you really believe that in your heart. And that's a deep heart thing. So, I, I had a couple things. You know, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God will may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I mean, Second Timothy, if you could commit these at least these two first verses to memory because it is sharper than any double-edged sword and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I mean, it just, when you 
get scripture and understand it. It penetrates. And I love here where, you know, here in Second Peter where it talks about his great and precious promises. And you really have to start believing that God's word is truth. So the sin began at the apple. And I love when it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, in my NIV, it's, it's quoted differently here, but I think it's real important to look at what is the wellspring of life? What is that definition? It means a stream source, and you ought to write that down, or a plentiful source. So whatever you're storing in your heart, it's going to be your source from which everything comes from. So, I mean, really, we've got to understand what God says about the heart. It's wicked. It's deceitful. It's self-centered, it's self-seeking, there's disbelief, there's pride, there's distress, there's evil thoughts, it's anguished, it's weary. And if it's left untreated, God clearly states that it is going to lead to hard-heartedness and pain and destruction. You just don't, you don't dip your toe in that water. But we have to understand how we're getting these children and how we get that. Um, now these things we know for sure, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and there's no one righteous, not one single person is righteous. I think it's interesting to really think about this scripture. Folly is also foolishness. And God tells us in Proverbs that folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Well, I mean, if you look, this is probably Sally, and this was Grace when she was born, but then about three, this was Blaney. The foolishness and the folly was so tightly wound. And I think as a parent, if you understand that you're going to deal, it's not if you're going to have to discipline, it's when am I going to have to discipline. You are going to deal with folly in the heart because God tells us that in Scripture, and so we've got to believe that. So, and it does say every inclination of the heart at birth is sin. I always like to say, after reading the Heritage years ago, I really, you know, I was trying to figure out what kind of legacy I was handed. Because you hand your children three legacies, an emotional, a social, and a spiritual. And some of us, my husband was handed this beaded wedding gown. And I wouldn't say I was handed a box of rags, but it was some dishevelment there. I mean, I had a happy childhood. I would would not, you know, I don't want to lead anybody. I mean, I really did. I had a lot of happiness. But... I think that if you were handed that box of rags, you really need to deal with that. And, and there's so many great ministries here at Watermark that would help you unsort that and kind of figure out. Because this is what, the goal is here. And I want you all not to be afraid. If you came with this, God can make good out of that. But you need to say, this is my goal for my children. Not that your sons are going to wear that or anything. But I mean, I'm just saying, this is your goal, is to hand them a spiritual legacy that looks beautiful and and is beaded and blazed. And this, frankly, guys, is what some of our hearts look like. Coming into marriage, coming into, you know, there's Band-Aids and patches. And, and I guarantee you, if you go back to the Lord, when this Band-Aid gets worn out and it resurfaces, go back to the Lord and allow Him to re-patch that and re- because He can correct that. And there's a great verse, and one of my favorite verses is um, Psalm 51.10 that just says, Create in me a pure heart, O Lord, and re Renew a steadfast spirit. You know, the Lord is faithful about that. Discipline, I really feel like, is initiated in our heart, but to train another heart. And so we need to realize that, you know, our discipline... 
Our hearts are capable, guys, of learning so many things. Our hearts can be trained toward obedience, toward righteousness, toward respect, toward unconditional love, sincerity, compassion. And the byproducts of all this are joy and peace. My father-in-law used to tell me, he said, the one part of heaven that we experience here on earth, earth is joy and peace. And if you've ever had joy in your heart, it's just, there, it's not happiness, it's not a, you know, it's a true overwhelming joy. And so that can be, but you know, when you, when you're really thinking about disciplining, and you know, our kids, We've got to really like that uh, that heart that I had that kind of had that root down there. Okay, well, when you look at like sharing, you know, with your kids, like they're not sharing. You know, oh, you need to share with your brother, and that's not right. You need to share. The heart issue is two hearts that are very selfish. So you need to deal and address the heart. And I think if you understand, you know, what I worry about, and, and let me talk about this. It says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you in Psalm. I really, in different versions of that, it says stored up and treasured. And I love thinking about that as I've learned verses over my own, you know, over these years. I love to think that I've got this treasury, you know. And and I tell you, you never realize the importance of learning verses until you go through something and they are flooded, you know, they God floods your heart and your mind with them. I mean, it's just, it's so comforting. But a, a couple of months ago, I read this verse and I loved it. It said, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, oh, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You know, what's your fig leaf? What are you hiding behind? Is it anger? You know, it says in, in Hebrews, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I mean, is it frustration? Is it materialism? Is it a shopping addiction? What What is it? You know, we need to get, for us to be the best mom and to get harmony in the home, we got to figure out what our fig leaf is. And we got to uproot it and get it out of there. And so, you know, I just encourage you, if it's anger... Let me tell you something. Anger is one of those things that I, I mean, I can raise my hand and say it's a deal killer. I mean, I would say that, I mean, I've just learned so much about that and, and short-temperedness and, and frustration. Parenting and anger just don't go hand in hand. When you're training your kids, recognizing that God's word is useful for training, rebuking, we know they come here with these this folly bound up in their heart, and if we're yelling at them, then we're not taking the opportunity to say, aha, I've got an opportunity to train here, because I see selfishness in his heart. Or I see, and you get to the root of it, and then you come alongside And I'm just saying, if you can really just start focusing that, God's faithful. And I know, ladies, he's going to meet you where you need to be met in this area. I mean, I like to say one of my favorite things is um, is this... um, a gentle answer turns away wrath. These are not my kids, but that has been my kids, and that has probably been me. And so I'm just saying, this is what it looks like. And, and I just saw this on, on the Internet, and I just thought it was really neat the way this mother just puts these verses there. And, and it was funny. I, I read this thing not too long ago about this mother going through the grocery store, and she was like, the little, the, the little child's probably two or three, and, and kept saying, can I, can I get some cookies, Mom? And then, no, now, Ellen, we've got two more aisles to go down you know, we're almost done. You know, we're not going to get anything. By the time she saw something else a few minutes later, she's like, can I get can I get some candy? I want candy. And so by the end of the time, she was in this full temper tantrum. And so they approached the checkout aisle. And the mom kept saying, Ellen, just one more minute. And then we're going to go home and take a really nice nap. And so this man kind of saw her outside. And he said, 
ma'am, I cannot help but admire your patience with Ellen. And she goes, my daughter's name's Tammy. I'm Ellen. So she was like, <laughs> so it's like, whatever you got to do, ladies, do it. If you got to talk to yourself. And he was like, oh, I just thought that was so cute because I thought you know, she was trying to download on herself. You know, be patient here. So whatever you've got to do for coping skills. I mean, I used to turn the music up louder and they'd scream louder, but I thought, I'm not going to let you cross the boundary and get me all razzed frazzled up. So anyways, um, I tell you though, it says we know our children have folly. And I call this the put another log on the fire verse. Because if your child is acting out and being disrespectful, two things in my house got a spanking. Willful disobedience and disrespect. Disrespect to me is huge. And call it like it is. But when they would, you know, if I yelled, then before long, this is what our house looked like. And it wasn't pretty. So I just say, you know, don't answer a fool according to his folly. I mean, it's like, you know, I just think put another log on the fire. You know, you just, you'll be like him yourself. So that's some more wisdom just from the Lord in that in that venue. I often wonder myself... This t-shirt right here, if I had this printed up, whenever I can't look at this verse, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You know, for I am not seeking my own good, but for the good of many, so that they might be saved. Boy, when you think about that, I think when I get dressed in the morning, would I be willing to wear this t-shirt out? You know, that's like the person that cuts you off in traffic and they have the ictus, you know, on the back of their car and you're there they, you know, yell at you or something. You're going, wait a minute, something's not going right here. But I often wonder... If I would really wear that, because there's two things, and I, and I say this genuinely, every morning when I get up, I have two name tags, and I decide which one I'm going to put on that day, and it determines the course of my day. And I tell you what, you don't want to see me with this name tag on. Really, you don't, because that person, and every day it's a surrendering. I mean, I decide whether I'm going to be here on behalf of the Lord or am I going to be Millie Hale. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to, to God the Father through Him. I mean, I'm telling you, I think we all, everybody that knows the Lord and has accepted Christ as your Savior has these two name tags. And it really is, for the sake of the harmony in your home, Choose that one when you think in the morning, when you get dressed. You know, you may not be willing to wear that T-shirt, but try to choose that one because I tell you, it does, it does make for a better day. Um, here, we're ta- and let me see, it's action. We're going on to action, and this is her children arise and call her blessed. I mean, I, that would be my goal. I mean, I don't know, we're not there yet, but I mean, that would be my goal at the end of the day, that my children would rise up and call me blessed. I kept thinking, you know, if these were the mom's feet and the little children's feet, but what have you thought of these as your son's feet and his child's feet? And then the son's son, remember the, the good man, he, store, he leaves a, an inheritance for his children's children. So what the steps that you're making today don't just impact your children, they impact your children's children. And so I just thought there's action there. And so that's really important. Now, one thing I think about is, you know, when you, we recognize that when you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit. And so I really feel like there's a yielding to the Holy Spirit. And there's a light involved. And it's the light of the Lord. But I just really don't know. Sometimes when I have that, you know, my name is Millie Hale, then I am still a light, but it's a candle light. And sometimes, you know, that candle, when it's consuming itself, when you get down to the bottom, all you look in the bottom is some remnants of wax, and then you see the 
the wick. And so that's pretty much... God says in Proverbs, her lamp does not go out at light. When you're being fueled and being filled by the Holy Spirit, that's a continuous filling. The lantern burns and burns and burns. The candle has a short fuse. So you really have to decide. You know, a a mother's light is Jesus Christ. And she cannot shine that light if her lamp runs dry. But if you're being filled by the Holy Spirit, and it is a yielding. It is a continual yielding of the Holy Spirit. But you have to decide, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, Galatians 5.22. I loved this image because, you know, Todd Wagner said years ago, it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. So you don't need to pray. Don't waste your time and pray for patience. Just pray that you will yield to the Holy Spirit because it is all connected. And it's like a big thing. You get the whole, it's like a cluster of grapes. You get the whole, all those things come when you yield to the Spirit. And I mean, as a mother, I know I need every single one of those things every single day. So it's really in the morning, if you can think first thing, what name tag am I going to put on today? And then, Lord, help me yield to the Holy Spirit. I need you. Right now we've been studying Isaiah. And I love this because, you know... Guys, we grow weary and burdened. I mean, we just, it, it, he, God says that. But the beauty is he will not grow weary and burdened and tired. And he, his understanding, you, we can't even understand. We can't fathom what he knows and how he does that. But he has strength and he gives strength to the weary, which would be me. And he cr- increases the power of the weak. But the key is we've got to hope in him. We've got, that's the key word there, hope in the Lord. And he will renew your strength and that's just you know we've got to really be faithful about that now a plan of action I love in Deuteronomy 6 where it says fix these words impress these words talk about them when you sit and walk when you lie down and when you get up tie them and bind them write them on the door frames of your houses I mean and I don't, some people have been to my house but I had somebody come and paint a lot of scripture on the door frames of my houses because I really I wanted to be surrounded by scripture I wanted my home I needed it for me because you know memorizing verses and that kind of stuff. I didn't know how good I would be at that. So any time I learn a new verse and I get excited about it, I print it, and I mean, it looks something like this. I mean, at Christmas, it says it's all about Him, for God so loved the world. I mean, I just get on the computer and print, print, print. You know, it's my son, um, but I mean, anyway, that's just, I mean, I just print those kind of things because there's action there, and we've got to do whatever it is for us that will remind us and keep us, you know, connected with the Lord. I love this verse in John. It says, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And I often wonder, you know, when I'm kind of sitting over here having a pity party, is God telling me, Come on, sister, pick up your mat and get walking. You know, pick up your mat. I mean, if I just want to sit there and kind of waller in everything. So a long time ago, years ago, probably 20 years ago, I heard this sermon about the tudes. And it was like solitude, gratitude, attitude, and altitude. And the solitude is spend time with the Lord daily. 
I don't, you know, and guys, I know right now, I mean, when I was walking in your shoes, and I'm still walking in your shoes, I'm still busy, and I've got a senior and an eighth grader and a fifth grader, I'm still busy. And, you know, I heard one time it said, if you're too busy to pray, then frankly, ladies, you're just too busy. Because you've got to have that time with the Lord. I mean, we need to learn from Christ's example. I mean, he got up and went to a lonely place and prayed. Even he needed to be refueled with the Holy Spirit. And I know I've shared this with y'all before, but just like the feeding of the 5,000, you know, they didn't have enough food. But what they needed for them, they got from him, from the Lord. So they would take their baskets and they would get them refilled and then they would go out and hand them out. And then they went back and there was always more than enough. And so these little people that are pulling on your coat strings and looking up at you and in need, what you need for them, you have to get from him. And he will give you more than enough. But you have to be available and you have to be you know you got to be prayerful and you've got to wait patiently because his timing but when you get that taste I always tell the lady I always try to encourage the girls that tasty fruit I mean pray for fruit if nothing else if you're walking through a difficult time right now just pray for fruit I mean God is so faithful there now gratitude I think if you really sit down and gratitude is something that's really important to me and it's important for you to start in your heart to think of gratitude I mean gratitude today might be just for the day. I mean, I don't know. Just that you're here. Just that you have a cup of coffee in front of you. I don't know. But I mean, just look at what you can be grateful for and start recognizing that because what you've got in your heart, you're going to give to your people. And there's nothing like a child's heart that is ungrateful. Okay, so gratitude. And then I like this because of solitude. Come near to God and he will come near to you. If God seems distant, who moved? Sometimes that's what I think. The picture's not that great, but my mom said, ooh, I like that picture better than the other one. So that's what it basically looks like. Okay, so gratitude is like let the word of God dwell in you richly as he teaches you, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And then it says, um, and you've got to sing psalms and hymns. The best thing for me, guys, if I get in my car and I've got like my little CD with all my little Christian songs that I love, that can change my heart in a New York minute. Just the music and the, you know, just listening to God's promises in music is a wonderful thing. Um, Okay, if you if you focus, you got the solitude, and that guys, frankly, that might be five minutes. That may be in the car, just turning it on to 100.7 and listening to who, whatever the speaker is. It might be calling a friend and saying, "Pray with me." I mean, I just haven't had any time. Whatever that looks like, whatever time you give to the Lord, I'm telling you, He will bless you that day, and He will give you some gratitude. Okay, now that changes your attitude. I love when Sarah Stellick did that ta- that little write up about the perspective. And she kind of painted out two days. And it is about how we look at things. I mean, half empty, half full. I mean, it really is the way we view things. And it changes your attitude. It's all about perspective. And then God is faithful about living, lifting you to a new altitude. So be a part of the tudes. Because I think that's real important. Okay, respect. Okay, Jesus Christ must be the foundation. But that first floor layer has got to be respect. And, you know, guys, I mean... I mean, the blueprint for most of the ladies here, because you know God's Word and you know the truths in there, but I'm telling you, you can, we all have a Bible, but how do we all get different outcomes? You know, we're all going from the same blueprint, and I will tell you, 
dig in and as much time as you can give to that because it is the quality of the materials. I mean, are you going on the world and it's shaky ground? I mean, even when I see, you know... And I will just warn y'all now, I mean, as our kids are in so many sports and they're in so many things, and, you know, pray for those teams that your kids are on. Uh, Pray for, I mean, every little thing that you do, take it to the Lord. Because I will tell you, I mean, it is just setting yourself up for, I mean, we think our kids are going to be the best, the this, the that. And really, what is our, our final goal? When you're talking about an eternal perspective, I just want kids that love the Lord. Third John says, um, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. I get that. The Lord says that, and I get that. When your kids, when you hear that your kids are walking in truth, that is tasty fruit. Let me tell you. So that blueprint, the world's shaky, and God's word, we've got to be on solid ground, and we've got to be intentional. And I think it starts with... Um, Respect running in all directions. I mean, if you want your kids to, I mean, I'm a good manners lady. And I mean, there's not a time. I send the message. I have sent the message to my kids about my take on good manners since they were this tall. And if I, to this day, if I'm out in the grocery store, if I'm somewhere and your kids say, yes, ma'am, or if I say, oh, I love your shirt, thank you, then I'm like, oh, I am a mom that loves good manners. Thank you so much for that. And I mean, if they say anything, yes, ma'am, Oh, I love good manners. You go hug your mom and dad because I know that's a tough job to get you, you know, just instill that. When your kids hear you complimenting other kids for their manners, they somehow get that. And, I mean, it is a worthy, you know, to me, it really bothers me when somebody says, what's the magic word? To me, there's no magic word about please and thank you. I mean, that's just something that we've got to instill. It's got to be the standard. When my kids come home, I mean, I always had tip. If they said, can I go to so-and-so's house? I'd go, may I? And they'd go, may I please go to job? Sure, that'd be great. Okay, if they come home from a visit and they walk up, I'm like, ooh, sounds like y'all had a great time. Thank you, Miss In- or whatever. You know, they'll say thank you to the mom. It's... It's a tip-off. Like, you know, my son, for years, I'll tell you, little boys, and this, my name is, you know, nice to meet you. That's tough to get. And and my son used to hide behind, used to make my husband so mad, and we're like, Blaine, be a man, look him in the eye, shake the hand. Well, when he was about nine, my tip-off always was, oh, Blaine, have you met... You know, it was Mr. Wealthy. I'm like, have you met Mr. Wealthy? And he comes over and goes, Blaine Hell Jr., nice to meet you. And I, and I look back, and this one dad was walking by, and he was like, what was that? And I go, listen, when you get it, you take it. Time will, time will calm it down, but you take what you can get. We've been working on that for, you know, we've worked on it so much that he finally just got it. But now I get compliments all the time that he's got. And it's not that manners are everything. I don't want y'all to lose, but I'm just saying it's... It's that respect. Because you know what? They see you, and if you can't, the respect issue, they see you, they can't see the Lord. And so they've got to respect authority. When I picked my kids up from every Sunday school class, went to any teacher conference, I didn't care what my kids' their grades were. I got a report card to see that. I wanted to know, is Sally respectful? I picked them up from Sunday school. Is so-and-so respectful? I had a little boy when I was teaching him four-year-olds at Northwest Bible that spit in my face. So when I went, you know, I went, and I've told the story before, but when I, I had to leave early, and so when his parents came to pick him up, the, they said, the girl I worked with said, oh, you know what, 
so-and-so spit in Mrs. Hell's face. And they said, oh, really? They're taking him out. Oh, really? We've been having trouble with that. Never came up to me and said, Zach, you need to apologize to Mrs. Hale. Never said anything. Just let it go. um, Three years later, I happened to be back at Northwest Bible for BSF. And this mom, I say, oh, my gosh. We were here at the time at at Watermark. And I said, how is it going? Are you still teaching Sunday school? She said, yeah, and you're not going to believe. She goes, I have a couple of troublemakers. I'm like, really? Who? And she listed the names. I was like, huh. They didn't handle it. When you have those opportunities to handle it, guys, don't just be a mom. If you're handed a basketball, I say try to score. I mean, you may not know how to dribble, but, honey, run it down the court and just shoot it at the net. If you don't score, try to do something with it. Respect is so important. And I'll tell you, it really, I mean... And then you avoid the script of, what do you say? I mean, you know, what do you say? Prompting them on. Just have these little tip-offs. If they said, gosh, she is so beautiful, I'd always say, oh, she has such a sweet heart. But you know what, Sally, you just got a nice compliment. Thank you. I mean, that was her tip-off. You know, that was the one things we had just kind of... And if you just... Start that going. Your kids will catch on. Okay? When I'm talking with someone, our thing was, you come put your hand on my shoulder, on my hand. When I feel your hand there, I put it on top. That says, I know you're there. Be patient. And when, and when I address them, it's, yes, ma'am, what did you need? Thank you so much for being patient. I appreciate that. So, you know, just do those little things and I'll tell you family interaction is so important another thing I used to do my kids if they said please and thank you I treated totally different and so one day Gracie had a bunch of friends over and and they said mom may we please have some more you know something and I said sure well I ran over well actually the first time I didn't run over the first time it says can we have some more juice I said okay so I walk like this and they're all looking at me and then she goes oh mom I mean please please and so I ran around around the island and I did some jumping jacks and then the the friend was like friend liked it she goes Miss Hale may I please have some more she liked the fact that I was acting like an idiot but it's okay my kids are like that's just my mom so don't worry about it so just encourage good manners it's just so important Um, respect starts get some fun things play games establish some traditions eat dinner as a family highlight that please eat dinner as a family I don't care if it's Leftover chicken nuggets from last week. Eat dinner as a family. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Just sit. We, I, I got a round table specifically because I love seeing all my people's faces. And we, we sit there for hours still doing table topics. And, I mean, we just have the best time. So do that. Family videos. I have a great guy that can download all your family videos, and he makes them so cute and neat. And we love watching those things. It's so much fun to re- go see where you came from and what, how crazy you were and what you did. And so take lots of family videos and get them where, they, where you can watch them. You know, have them downloaded to a DVD. We do pajama runs. My kids love nothing more than to be all in bed and somebody yell, pajama run. Everybody comes down their pajamas and go get ice cream. Just high-low every night. Do high-low at the table. What was your high today? What your low today what are you grateful for spurs on good conversation adopt a family rule right now everybody plays 
my daughter Sally, when she was about seven, had a friend that came over, and it was like, you know, her friend did not know that that was our family rule, and she told Blaney that he could not play house. And I said, you know what? Our family rule is that everybody plays. Because you know what? You're playing family, you're playing house, and everybody needs a dog or a brother or a dad, and he'll make a good one of any of those. So just let him play. And Sally was always fine with it. Now, did I always make that? I mean, sometimes I occupied him so that she could have some good family time. But I'm telling you, if you notice that there's disrespect in your home, I would go way out to Mesquite. It's a little wooden park out there, and I just because I didn't want a chance going to a, a park in our neighborhood and seeing anybody that anybody knew. If we couldn't be happy with what God gave us and our family, then we didn't open the family circle. And that might be days that we were just kind of looking at each other. All right, we're having fun now. Uh, but anyways, we just kind of kept it together. So disrespect, words spoken are 7% of the message. Tone of voice, words spoken, facial expression, and body language. And, I mean, we just did a, Michelle, uh, the uh, girl that I work with, she's here, and we just did a big thing, and they were talking about that. And disrespect, guys, I mean, my prayer for my son this year, because everybody's like, oh, my gosh, 13-year-old boys. I mean, this is, my son is still so sweet, and I'm just counting. So my prayer was, Psalm 119.18 says, open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful things in your law. And I love to pray that before I open the Bible, but I've been praying, open my ears so that I will hear the heart from which Blaine tells me everything, so I know where his heart's coming from. I mean, the other day, we had a situation where Blaine didn't make it home with this homework he needed. Well, he played, it was sweet because we sat on the couch after church, and I kind of fell asleep, and he'd every once in a while lean over and kiss me on the cheek, on the forehead, and I was thinking, oh, this is so sweet. Well, at 6 o'clock, when he realized he didn't have his homework done, and he, this is Sunday night, then I, he was like, you know, all fresh. And I was like, buddy, you know, why were you playing DS or, or PSP or whatever that was? All Mom, I knew you were going to say that. So I knew this was not a good time to address that. And so I just kind of backed out and I said, okay, what can I do to help you? And so he said, well, I'll call. And so he got the lesson. So I drove over there and got it and I came home. And I went over to him, and my husband actually drove me over there, and I was like, honey, why didn't you rally for me there, you know, back there when Blaine was getting all frustrated? But I went over, and he was at the computer, and I touched his shoulders, and I leaned around, and I said, hey, buddy. I said, I just want you to remember, I'm on your team, and I would have crawled on my hands and knees to Conrad's and gotten this homework for you. And I said, the way you just talked to me was very disrespectful. And, you know, I just want you to understand, I waited till a low tide moment. I knew, And he looked at me and goes, Mom, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? And I said, well, you know, we need to really make sure because we're not going to treat each other like this. And so, you know, it was a low tide moment and we handled it and it's been great. But every once in a while, you know, sometimes if I had continued because I evidently have a way and, you know, well, what were you playing PSP for, you know, all afternoon for? And that's really... You know, they're frustrated. They messed up. But it was just like, wait for that low tide moment to address these things, especially as your kids get older. But I will tell you, as your kids are young, add 10 years to it. If it doesn't look good, I mean, you know, I had a a patient of mine one time telling me that his daughter, he has twins, and she was going, and he goes, it was so funny. And I said, yeah, wait till 13. That is not going to look good. Because when that comes back at you at 13, if you're laughing at it at 3, that's a heart of disrespectfulness, and you've got to handle it. So keep the family circle closed. Zero tolerance for disrespect. I'm telling you, pray about that. Whatever your kids, and use that word very loosely. You know what? I... 
you're being disrespectful to your brother right now, and we really need to address that. I mean, talk about it. Disrespect is disrespect, and you've got to handle it. Okay, merriment. Ooh, this is what I like, because I like to have fun. And, I mean, it comes back to haunt me sometimes. But you know what? Every home, I am certain, has a comedian. You've got an in-house comedian. And guys, frankly, lighten up. We've got to have some fun. Everybody's got an ulnar nerve, which is your funny bone. And, you know, it doesn't have, you don't have to be Ellen DeGeneres or Jay Leno. It's not that. It's just when, I tell you, the greatest thing is the byproducts, joy and peace. If you're filling yourself with the Holy, with the Holy Spirit and you're filling yourself with God's Word, the byproduct is joy. And joy is, look at the Bible when it says rejoice and joy. There's a lot of it. And there's a lightheartedness about that. Even in the midst of trials, that, that joy comes out. You know, in our family, we love nicknames. We love, you know, all kinds of good things. But, I mean, we love to laugh. I mean, it's just fun to laugh. And laugh at yourself. I mean, my goodness. I mean, you know, it's lighten up. I mean, merriment. It's, it's a cheerful heart. is good medicine. And it is. I mean, I just, I love that picture. Lighten up. That's my fellow. And that's my sweet little one. But we always had a lot of, this was funny. He went and he rode the, he did the mutton buster out in Mesquite. He wanted to do that. And he kept telling me, Mom, what's my sheep going to look like? I said, I don't know. But I got down on the floor and I got him on my back and I was bucking around and trying to buck him off and get him. And he loved that. Boys love that physical. And so when he got there and he saw his sheep, he asked the cowboy that was putting him on his sheep. I knew he wasn't going to win because, you know, when you hear Bubba Johnson from Balk Springs, and then you, you hear William Blaine Hale Jr. from Dallas, you know, couldn't have a not- I knew we weren't going home with a pair of boots. I'll just say that. But, I mean, we did it, and Blaine said when, he, when his sheep came out, it was rather feisty, and he said, can I get the next one? The cowboy goes, no, get on. He didn't last long on the sheep, but he had fun. And it was a sweet, it was a sweet picture of just, it was just an experience. It was having fun. So I just, I tell you, I tell this story and I just do it because I, it's, it's the story of me putting Sally's underwear out on the, on the, uh, the tree when she was in second or third grade. Because she kept leaving it on the floor, and I really thought it was going to be funny. I did. I was so excited. I mean, they were coming home from church, and Blaney was sick that day. And I thought, oh, she left her underwear down. I told her I was going to do something with it. So I ran out. When they called, I said, where are you all? They said, oh, we're right around the corner. We'll be there in a minute. Well, I ran out there, and I hung it on a tree. And they come driving up, and I am just in the window, just doing one of these. This is going to be so funny. And she got out of there, and she ripped it out of that tree, and she stormed in the house. And Blaine, my husband's like, what? what, what is this? I mean, what? I'm like, oh, I thought. I thought it was going to be funny. I didn't really know. And, and she looked at me and I said, well, honey, I told you I was going to do something if you didn't start picking up your underwear. And so we kind of talked through it. And I said, I'm sorry. My, evidently, my funny bone isn't your funny bone. And oh, it's not good. But she looked up at me and she said, Mom, I may not be like you and the fact that you're so clean and neat and orderly. But she said, there's a lot of other great things about me. And I was like, oh, there are. And you know what, guys? I don't focus on that with her anymore. I focus about all the great things about her. And so, you know, there, and she is a great kid. And I, and I enjoy her so much. But I went out the next day to get the mail and my bra was hanging out in the tree. So she did. I was happy she found her sense of humor because it was good. So that was important. Okay. There's opportunity, guys, for teaching. I really.
really, and we need to put the, the Bible to use and, and let it roll. Um, I say that I really think that as Christians we're all like pencils. You know, in, the, in there is the Lord and we just got to find it and then we kind of get sharpened a little bit and for a while our point works tremendously. Even when we're writing on the hearts of our child, we have opportunities, even when our lead's broken. There's opportunities to ask for forgiveness. There's opportunities. And sometimes we think we've got a sharp point and we put it to paper and it just splinters off. And so I often said on my BSF lesson a couple years ago, it said, what do you think the Lord's saying to you right now? And I said, back to the sharpener. I mean, I recognize some things I needed to be sharpened on. So don't be afraid. Todd Wagner said years ago, if you're not in a storm, seek a storm. Because that is where you are going to shine the brightest. Walking through some difficult times. Because the light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. When we are walking through tough times, guys, don't be thinking, oh, here we go again. I mean, be thankful because that's when you're on your knees seeking the Lord. I mean, the diamond on the right is pretty with the white background. But boy, I tell you what, if you've walked through a storm, you shine the brightest when you okay, uh, when you are really walking on a black background. <clears throat> on the opportunities I've got Teaching kids to count is fine, but teaching them what counts is better. I love this in 1 Corinthians where it's talking about, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Guys, in this Ecclesiastes, it says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle. For you do not know what will succeed, whether this or that, or whether they will do equally well. So it's like, you know, rooting and grounding in your kids. You're going to sow a lot of seeds, and that's just the way it goes. But if you were go, if you were to walk in right now to a seed and feed store, and you're thinking, Oh, I like carrots. I'm going to get those. I like, you know, I like green beans. I'm going to get those. What if it was different and it had like integrity and love and forgiveness and what are those things you want to plant? Because we plant seeds every single day and we plant them with our talk, but the ones that will take root is if they match our walk. So we need to be very careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise. And then it says, teach us to make the most of our time so that we will grow in wisdom. Well, you go to school to get smart. You go to the Bible to get wise. God says in James 1.5, he gives generously. If you don't have wisdom and you ask for it, he gives generously of that. So we need to ask him for that. I think one of the most important things, I see this with kids today, that we need to love our kids unconditionally. And guys, I've seen dads at the soccer game say, just go ride with your mom when they didn't score a goal. I mean, I'm telling you, you don't realize the messages that we send. But I think God wants us to get this one thing very clearly. It's his love for us. There is nothing. It says right here, for I am convinced. He wants you to be so certain. And you cannot give this away to your kids unless you feel it yourself. I am convinced that nothing, not death, not life, not... I mean, go read the whole verse. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I don't care how, you know, disrespectful, how... I mean, whatever, whatever our fig leaf is, nothing. God loves... He has a I love you no matter what love. And we have got to have that for our kids. We just do. And it says, I will praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's here, guys, to your toes. 
top of your head, bottom of your toes. You've got to know that. And then you want your kids and you want to be able to grasp the love of God, how wide it is, how big it is. This one simple message becomes their truth. And this truth becomes their self-esteem. And their self-esteem governs their entire life. So you've got to love them for who they are, not for who you want them to be. Not for, you know, what you think would, oh, volleyball. You love volleyball never got to play it. But, oh, my gosh, my daughter's 5'11". She could be a great volleyball player. That wasn't who Sally was. And I will tell you... Um, it's just very important to love who they are. And guys, it is so easy, and I'm saying this from experience, it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. And I'll tell you just in a minute about you know some things I've had. People have had to come to me and say, you know, you've said this about your daughter. And, and you know, I'm thankful. I, I'm telling you all right now, be approachable. If somebody loves you enough, if a teacher comes to you and say, your child was disrespectful, don't say, oh, I'm sure every child in there talks. Don't say that. You look at that teacher in the eye and you say, thank you for loving the Hales enough. Because it's an opportunity for you to handle things, guys. And and you just thank them. And you go up to that teacher and you say, you know what? I want to partner with you. I want to get this under control. And you check in with that teacher every day. Is, Is Sally doing better? Is Gracie doing better? Is Blaney doing better? Let me know about that. I mean, you've got to pray for that. And humility and forgiveness. I mean... You know, one day, I, Sally, I got in the car. I mean, Sally got in the car, and we were going somewhere to volleyball, and it was traffic, and I was all stressed out. I mean, I'd been at work all day, and it just hadn't been a great day. And Sally just gradually looks over at me and says, Mom, are you having... She goes, what are we going to have for dinner? I said, I don't even know if we're going to eat tonight. Ouch. And so she looks over at me, and she says, Mom, she said, did you have a bad day? I guess I did have a bad day. I mean, I unloaded my whole day. So I, I get to the volleyball thing. I'm like, you go inside and I'm going to sit out here and pray. Well, then my little sweet Gracie, this is probably three or four years ago, Gracie comes up and she goes, Mom, can I pray with you? And I, That would be great. Can I pray for you? That'd be better. So I get down and she's like, Dear Heavenly Father, my mom is in a tizzy. My mom is all torqued off today. Would you please help her attitude? And would you just please be able to let us eat dinner tonight? And I got down and I looked her in the eye and I said, Gracie, thank you for loving me enough. I don't want to be that mom. And I marched right in that thing and I got Sally off the volleyball thing and I said, looked her in the eye and I said, please, will you forgive me? I don't want to be that mom. I don't want to be that mom. Thank you for loving me enough. So guys, have an open door policy with your kids. Be approachable. Don't be afraid for them to point out. You know, the black background, that was a great opportunity to hammer in forgiveness and and, and ask for forgiveness. Um, You know, the humility thing, that's something that my son struggled with. It was funny, I got Desi's email this morning, Proverbs 17.5, pride goes before destruction, a a haughty spirit before a fall. He's competitive. And so I took opportunities, this is probably, this is old, old Game Boy, but I took opportunities to put scripture in front of his nose wherever I could. And that just happened to be one of my verses. And then he put O.A she rocks on the bottom of it but anyway um it's all in what it is worldly versus mine was bigger i'll have you know his was little Uh, but humility you know since he was little bitty blaney had dyslexia and since he was little bitty um you know i was so overwhelmed with that dyslexia and i was just thinking oh my gosh i just i can't parent anymore i mean him i'm just gonna have to just i don't know he's never gonna read he's not gonna but one day i was sitting in carpool line and god just put on my heart y'all are a team and so when he got in the car he's like mom i've got so much homework and i said peanut butter and he was like what i go peanut butter 
And I took his little hand. I went, Joey. And I said, buddy, we go together. There is nothing that we can't do together. So every day for all third grade, he got in every day, peanut butter. I'm like, what do we got? Jelly. What do we got? But I mean, parenting is a team sport. It's not a spectator sport. You got to get in there. It is a team sport. But the humility thing was cute because one day at Table Topics, it said, would you rather be good looking, athletic, or good looking, athletic, or smart? And so Blaney, right after his diagnosis and, you know, dyslexia, knew he struggled in school. But when it got to him, I said, I'd rather be athletic. But my husband informed me that he would rather me be good looking. But I said, I'd still rather be athletic. Well, when it got to Blaney, he just looked at me real puzzled and he said, I don't know because I'm kind of all three. And I was like, pass him the humble pie. He needs a whole piece. So my point there is I knew that humility was something that we were going to have to you know, tackle head on. The other day, when I was thinking about honesty in my kids, I've gotten so much fruit back from teachers and stuff, just how honest. I mean, they'll say, you know, Gracie the other day, they were saying, who here talked and come up and tell me whether you deserve an A or a B or, or 75 or a 95, I think is what it was. And Gracie was the only one out of the whole class that said, I deserve a 75. I was talking. And so she said, well, you know what? Because you were honest, you get a 95. <clears throat> but I'm just, I'm so thankful for honest hearts. But when they were little, I used to always say, mm. when I'd kiss them on the lips, I'd go, that reminds me. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. That's what God says. So the other day I thought, I'm going to ask my kids. I asked Gracie, do you remember what a kiss on the lips is like? And she was like, no. And I said, Blaine, do you remember? No. And I said, Gateway Bible, keyword search. Well, I had no idea. I just threw that out there. Gracie comes running upstairs. An honest answer. It's an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. So she filmed that. She went to Gateway Bible, did keyword search. I couldn't believe she did that, but she did. Proverbs 24:26. So anyway, so that's honesty, gratitude, guys. Like I said, gratitude is thankfulness on its knees. When my kids were little and they would send those lollipops down in the down in the oh that's the forgiveness one. I, and I always say to my kids, forgiveness is like a block of butter in the microwave. And if you go and watch it and it goes in 10 seconds that veil comes down and that's what forgiveness feels like in your heart. And when your kids get that, they want to restore. My kids are all so three good about saying it, recognizing when they've been wrong and asking for forgiveness and just asking, will you forgive me? Not just I'm sorry or sorry. Sorry is coming from a heart that's not really asking for true forgiveness. So I think I say this and I mean this. Gratitude begins with a happy meal. I recognized when I took Sally when she was four to McDonald's and we always got a happy meal. And every time I'd come home, put her down for a nap, go back out to my car. And where was the toy? It was shanked in the ground. And I would think, okay, we're not grateful here. So I just American meal for us. They don't even make those anymore. But American meal was a bigger drink. Same cheeseburger, same french fries. And it became something, and I did this with Blaney and Gracie and always, it became something that when their mother-in-law took them or somebody else took them and they got a happy meal, they were so much more appreciative. Gracie, when she was three, my mother-in-law took her, and she comes back to the time my mother-in-law does. She goes, I didn't, she didn't even know Gracie knew this word. But Gracie looked with a great anticipation, and she's fumbling through. My mother-in-law said, oh, they just told me, Gracie, I'm sorry. All they had today was boy toys. And she looked up, and she goes, I'll be grateful. You know, and so my mother was like, how did she know that word? But I was like, we talk about that a lot. But when they send those lollipops through the, you know, the bank, and you, know, you hold them up, and I, I want the purple one, I want 
the red one out. Uh Uh-uh. Give them back, guys. If you don't have a heart of gratitude, we're not keeping them. And then I'd push them back, and I would let my kids hear, you know what, thank you so much for your generosity today. We appreciate that, but my kids could not be grateful. And so it's just about instilling that and knowing it's not, remember, girls, it's not the indiscipline. It's not the severity. Write that down. It's not the severity of the punishment. It's the certainty. It's the knowing that you're a mom they can count on. I always said when my kids would, you know, doing what I'm told when I'm told with a cheerful heart, that was always what I got. I'd say, show me your cheerful heart. Obedience. Hammer that in. When my son was at T-Bar-M, I used to say this to him every single time. And he says, I got a spanking every single day of my life and I'm proud of it. But obedience was something that uh, doing what I'm told when I'm told with a cheerful heart and do all things without arguing and complaining. When we went to T-Bar-M, now this was when he was three, and I would always quote Hebrews 12:11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. Well, every time I'd say that, and I really frankly wasn't sure who was going to get the righteousness and peace. But it was up for grabs, and we both needed it, so I was going to go for it. Well, when we went to T-Bar-M, they always bring each child up, and they say two godly character traits. Well, about two years ago, or three years ago, when they brought Blaine up, they said the godly character traits that we've chosen for Blaine are obedience and peaceful. Well, now, if you don't think I didn't start crying, I mean, I had this huge tear run down because I thought, you know, God is so faithful. You know what I said when it says wait patiently? It says do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. Well, sisters, I had a fruit salad that day. Because when I heard, it wasn't just a little sampling of fruit, it was a fruit salad. Because I planted the seed, and there's no telling how many hypolyses that came along and watered it and tilled it. But God gave that to me. You know, what do you laugh, Desi? Hush. I live. This was this wasn't that day for me. The harvest. It was tasty. Um, okay. Notice. I always tell my kids, people, and they're like, Mom, we know. People notice. They do notice. People do notice. They notice the good. They notice the bad. This is how your kids really arrive. They arrive with a sinful heart, but there's an opportunity for you to rewrite the messages. So what are you writing on that clean slate in your children's heart? What messages? Are you writing, you know, I don't have time. Put that down. You know, I, I was, see, I read this thing too that about a mom with a daughter. Two moms were in the grocery store with their children. And one, it was they, their kids were in the little front buggy. And they were looking at broccoli or something. And she was putting, and then one mom was like, do not touch that. Put that down. Don't do that. And the other mom was like, I don't know why broccoli looks like that. Next time we go to the library, we'll see. But I love your curiosity. I mean, how many times do we write on the slate of our kids that says, you're driving me crazy. Get in here. I said to put those away. We're on a time crunch. What are you downloading? Why don't you want to do messages like, you make me so proud. You're special. Um, You're a great helper. That was so responsible. You're a joy. I prayed for you today. How did I get so lucky? I used to do that with my kids when I'd tuck them in at night because I heard Dr. Phil, of all people, when he put his boys to bed, he would always say to them, how did I get so lucky? Of all the little boys in the world, how did I get so lucky to get you? And, I mean, what messages are you sending? We used to say, I used to say, well, I know I've hugged you today, and I know I've, I've... Uh, kissed you and I know I've told you I love you but have I and then Gracie would just start laughing because it was going to be I said have have we had a good gut laugh today and she just started it got to be where I'd tickle her and make her laugh but then it got to be where all I'd have to say was but I haven't 
And then she just started laughing. I didn't even have to tickle her because she knew what was coming in anticipation. So, I always say when Gracie's sitting on the couch and I'm sitting on the couch, I'll go, what is wrong with this picture? And she's like, I'm sorry, Mom. And she'll snuggle over by me. And then I always, when I'm hugging her or snuggled up to her, she'll say to me, Mom, best part of the day. Because I always say that to her. When I'm loving all my kids, that is the best part of the day. There is no doubt. So, anyways, I was saying that somebody had loved me enough and said, came up to me and said, you know, you said something about your daughter And it just kind of bothered me a little bit. And I was so thankful because, you know, I went back to this verse in Philippians 4, 8. And I just memorized it about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, in some versions is to dwell on these things. Guys, find the great things about your kids and dwell there. And when you look at them in their eyes, see all the good things, not the negative. I mean, there are things we've got to handle and I'm not if it's disrespectful, you've got to handle all those things. But you're the Lord made your child unique and different and wonderful, so find those things about them. I mean, I you know, I love this verse. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue in Proverbs 31:26. I love that because guys, that's just not going to flow. What is in your treasury? What are you pulling out? What are you, you know, this is my kitchen window. And I look at that verse, and I love that verse means so much to me right now, Psalm 34, 8. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because refuge means you're going through a hard time, but taste and see, look for those things where God's showing up. Oh, that slide was supposed to be under words. But I am an old dog, and this is a new trick for me. But aren't y'all proud of me? Because it's not Yeah, thank you. So kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And they are, guys. I mean, you know, it really is. Our words are so important. So choose them wisely. Choose them wisely. And this is you. I love this. A tattered and torn Bible is usually not reflective of its owner. And I believe that. I've known people that I've walked with and I've gone to them and I'm like, oh my gosh, those mentors, those wise women. And I'm just like, help me here. I'm like, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. I'm just hammering and all this stuff the same. And she said, Millie, that's called rooting and grounding. You will be doing that for the rest of your life. Rooting and grounding. Okay, my mom has cancer. And she was diagnosed in... August. And I will tell you that my mom was going to live to be 110. I was sure of it. So when that came up in August, I had a pop quiz. And I'll tell you what, the Lord showed up. And every time I, 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 in August and September and October, I spent so much valuable time with my mom and dad. And it was such an opportunity. And I know I started writing a blog and my dad was like, he's always like, can you write a blog for your mom? You know, because I always interjected scripture and humor, which was not something my parents, you know, and I, I mean, my dad is a very funny person, but they loved it. And people would just say, can your daughter write some more on the, we, we want another update, you know, and so... I got my pop quiz, though, in the fact that, you know, Scripture flooded my heart. And that treasury, the things that I had memorized over the last 20 years, I didn't know I was preparing for this pop quiz. I didn't know that. You know, if I told you, ladies, I'm going to test you all next week on 10 of these verses, y'all would, some of you would go home and study because you're gunners. You'd go home and think, oh, i got to know these verses and where they go. But you know what? We're going to test for us come as pop quizzes. And you never know when you're going to get that call from the teacher or that. And let me frankly, you may have a worldly response. 
You know, like, my child doesn't do things like that. Yes, your child does. My child's going off to college next year. And I know there's probably going to be some muddy water. I'm praying for her. But whatever God's got to do to take her to the next level, I hope that I'm equipped to handle that. She has been a delight. My child walks in the door, and our home has got to be a refueling station. I know Sally's home because she'll say, Bueno, greetings. I mean, she's so happy. And she's such a joy and a light in our home, and she loves the Lord. But she's going to get a pop quiz, and I hope. I don't think I've done enough. I mean, I've planted some seeds, but I look back and I wish I had done more. I really do. But I love the fact that it says, He is the vine and we are the branches. Don't get too far from the vine, because our fruit should resemble whatever it's connected to. Um, I think this dessert promise and prayer. You know, you look at where God and John... That's where y'all are, and that's where I was. And I look at this picture, and it's huge in my house, because I'm reminded quite frequently the perfectionist that I am. This was our Christmas card one year, and it said, Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with us. Now, those are kids that knew that this was not going well with a mother that is a perfectionist. But I got to thinking, I'll tell you where I've been so moved lately, and I want y'all to get this. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, the key word there is believing, that you may have life in His name. Well, frankly, guys, life is not in things. Life is not in the fact that, I mean, half of Gracie's friends have cell phones, which is fine, but our world is an entitlement. It is just, we are just, the media, I mean, you know, 85%, today's show had a thing the other day, 85% of teens say that they have stressful home life. 85%. Guys, that's sad. That is very, very sad. And there's a big article today on Miley Cyrus, you know, and it's really interesting to read that. You know, they thought, all oh, this was so great, and she's going to be, well, now she's spiraling out of control. And the dad's going, I don't know what happened. Now they're getting a divorce. And I mean, it just, you know, the steps you're making today, we will reap what we sow. And that's very important to, to really keep that hammered in. And if your heart is right, God will make good out of your spoils. I don't want anybody to feel overwhelmed because God makes good out of your spoils. But your heart's got to be aligned and, and look at the upward, not at the outward. But anyways, these things, I thought to myself, I've had so many times that God has shown up for me with my mom that I've just been so moved, and it's just that fruit. So I thought, you know, when we're in, and this is one of them. I was working out the other day, with, and I would say, my parents are my top ten list, that my mom and my dad are one of my top ten. They have not gone to church in, since I've been really in seventh grade. They have not, you know, don't know the Bible, all that kind of stuff. And I've tried to be that light. And I always feel that. <gasps> and I've realized God's saying, Millie, this is, keep watching and praying. This is not about you. Spielberg, get out of the director's chair. This is not about you. So Friday night, I went to Lufkin, and I was with my dad and them. And my mom says, oh, I think we're going to go to church on Sunday. Well, I mean, glad I chewed the food I had in my mouth because I almost choked on it. But I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, this is what I have prayed for for so long, that my parents would just have that heart to go. So I was working out, and I walked in, and I was with my dad, but I walked into the women's thing, and I saw this me with all my piffy little things. I thought it was a penny, and I said, find a penny, pick it up all day long, you have good luck, but not if it's on the other side, the wrong side. But I noticed it was a dime. And about that time on my iPod, there's this lovely singer that I love, David Dunn. If you don't know David, he's wonderful. But he sings a version of the old rugged cross. And it said, I love that old cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. You've restored me, oh God. You've restored me, oh God. And I just kept thinking about my mom. He's restored my mom right now. And she just had brain tumors after kidney surgery. She just had brain tumors. 
By the power of your name, you have saved what was lost. You have given me hope. You have given me hope by the blood that you shed on that old rugged cross. Well, when I looked down on this, guys, to me, all I saw was that cross. And it looked like three crosses. And it looked like down here that there was a flame. And I just saw that and I thought, oh, my gosh, that is a dessert. That is a sampling of fruit for me. That is a dessert. And I thought to myself, you know, as moms, we have those weary and dry days, like it says in Psalm 63.1. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, that means early I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Frankly, guys, parenting, when you see that my kids screaming, there are those days where you just frankly don't, I mean, it's dry. It's desert, desert land. But I thought to myself, and I took this, this dime, I took it home, and I'm going to start a little book because I have all these things where God has shown up. And for me, that was a dessert. That was something that I'm going to put in a, a book, and I'm going to call it my dessert notebook. And on the drear and the, the days when I'm going in a desert moment, I want to be able to pull out that book because that was a just for me. I showed a friend of that, and she goes, I don't really see it. And I said, well, you know what? I see it, and that's all that matters. It's God showing up and showing me he's there. We've got the dessert, and we've got the, the, the desert, frankly. So the dessert is, he says, my fruit is better than fine gold, which I yield, what I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the ways of the wicked. Um... I walk in the ways of the righteousness along the path of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasures full. Okay. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him. And then just you reap what you sow, you know. And so don't give up. I love that. At the end, God says, don't give up. Press on. And I will tell you, I love this, and I say this all the time, and I love it, because there are Doras that God sends in our life. And sometimes, ladies, you can be a Dora. And it's just, you know, whether you look to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And Doras are people that come alongside you and say, you know what, I know you're going through a tough time. Keep swimming. I know it's upstream. I know it's against the current, but keep swimming. Because, frankly, guys, in Romans, it says the fruit of lips that confess his name. That's a sacrifice of praise. We need to continually offer that to God. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. We've got to be the fruit for people. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So look for the doors in your life. Okay, we, the goal here, guys, is not success. Success, I'm telling you, be weary of that. The goal is for significance. And you've got to study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, real quick, so go for significance. Okay, I'm going to start. I just, this is like a five-minute video, and I know we're running late, but I really tried to do good, Desi. I'm... A bad girl. Okay, the thing is, this is off American Idol, and you probably don't have time to watch that, but this encompassed everything that I said today. So we're going to watch it, and I'm going to just tell you the high points of it. So why did you name him John Wayne? He wanted a son that was rough and tough. Would have really sucked if I were your son, huh? (laughs) (laughs) No, you wouldn't be the way you are now. My name is John Wayne Schultz. I'm 23 years old and I'm from Carn City, Texas and I work on a ranch. Back in 
1957, my family came to Texas and they ran cattle. And so cowboys in my family goes back a long time. And I think it's in our blood. We have a cattle ranch of about 800 acres. And we've got several head of cattle. To me, being an authentic cowboy is not so much how you dress. It's more about who you are inside. I come from such a wonderful family, and I couldn't imagine uh, doing anything in life without my family. In 2007, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it, I mean, it was a hard time for all of us. And I told her, Mom, I love you. I'll do anything for you. And she said, well, try out for American Idol. I feel that he has such a voice and a talent to share with so many people, and he's so genuine. He is the most genuine kind of person you'd ever meet. And he loves his mama. <laughs> Three years later, she's she's still here, and, and um, I'm hoping I'm fulfilling that promise to her today. Hi! Come on in, cowboy. How are you? I'm great. How are you? What's your name, man? John Wayne Schultz. John Wayne, come on. Really? Yes, sir. Swear? Yes, sir. How old are you, John Wayne? 23. 23, and where are you from? I'm from Carn City, Texas. It's kind of like a little cow town. So you rope, you do everything? Yes, sir. So you're a real cowboy. I hope so. Please. So why are you here? What, what, what brings you here to Idol? Today I'm going to fulfill a promise that I made to my mother. So this is for mom and you? Yes, sir. This is my, this is my dream. What are you going to sing? I'm going to sing Believe by Brooks and John. Great song, do it. Yeah. I can't quote the book, the chapter or the verse, but I know that it don't end with a slow ride in a hearse. It's great to see um, a show like this. I can hear him. A show like this that, that gives opportunity for you, just your small town kiddo, a chance. My hands bow my head. They tell me that there's more to life than just what I can see. the strength of faith and I can feel that and uh, it comes out in your singing. Thank you. Stephen, what do you think? Beautiful. Uh, great. I liked it. Thank you. Yeah, I really, uh, I, feel, I feel you man. I get you. I, I really like it. I think you could do well. Thanks. So. Where are the parents? They're outside, buddy. Can you bring them in? Yes, sir. We want to tell them. Right. Okay. Hi. Hi, parents of John Wayne. Are you? I've been waiting to meet you. Good to meet Can we you. Can we tell them all together? Go straight and damn straight. <laughs> so, listen, we got something, some good news for you, son, here. I hope so. So, guys, what, what are we saying to this lovely, talented young man? Nice guy, we felt his whole spirit, his passion. We got a good boy. 
And this is funny. I mean, you can turn it off now. What I want to say is, you know, this is a kid who sat there and his mom was downloading all these great messages about him. And that wasn't the first time he heard those messages. He had heard that before. He's genuine. And you could tell, and then he just, you could tell he had a genuine love for his mother. And why did he pick that song? I mean, I tried to call her. I wanted to know what she had done to get to that point. I know. Her phone's been disconnected. I guess everybody else speaking this week wanted to talk to her. But I did. I looked it up. I mean, I would love to say, you know, and then when I say people notice, J-Lo and, you know, Randy were like, I kind of feel you, man. I get your faith. I mean, this is a kid. He was respectful, but that didn't define who he was. He's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. So I'm just saying to y'all, I mean, don't we want kids that, I mean, couldn't you tell I mean, his mom had done some work. I mean, his, he said, I have a wonderful family. His sisters were out there, and when he walked out, they all surrounded him and loved on him. That was a family that had something unique, and I just want that for each one of you. So, you know, I just I hope you're encouraged. I mean, please, I hope you just get one nugget. I really do. So if you all have any questions, I know she ha- Desi hates that word, jewel, whatever you want to say, one something. Okay, I'm going to kick us off with our questions. Um, so this is about harmony in the home, and one of the things that disrupts harmony in my house is whining. My three-year-old's whiny about a lot of things at times. And I feel like it's a disrespectful thing because the way he's asking, he needs to respect mommy and use kinder words. But I feel like I'm saying that all day long. And I don't know, like, how it, like, your, your comment about, like, it's not the severity of the punishment, it's the, um, not the consistency, what was certainty. the word? The it's certainty. The certainty of it. So what what would you do with, how did you handle whining? Whining. Okay, well, I mean, you're, I, I really call it their tone of voice, and it is disrespectful. Unfortunately, mommy's ears do not work with that kind of talking. I can't understand you. I mean, it's like a foreign language. You know, just say, you know, is this in Morris code? I'm not quite getting that. And just keep, you know, it's the thing I loved about this this guy is, you know, he wasn't hilarious, but the dad had a lightness about him. You know, uh, you know he's fighting all that picked him up so have a lightness about how you handle that you know if you're always saying you know if your tone of voice if it's coming from a heart that's you know frustrated then what is that teaching them so I would just say you know what unfortunately are you saying something to me because I don't hear that tone of voice and if it's whining that's disrespectful toward mommy I'll be happy to help you when you can ask me with the correct tone of voice and it is rooting and grounding. That may be something that you, you know, phases. Discipline is like phases. I mean, you get in a bad phase, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get out of it. But then you get in a good phase, you're going along thinking, this is sweet, we have arrived, and then you're in another phase. So it's just outwit, outsmart, out, you know, just survivor mode. And so right now it's whining, but just pick something and stick with it. And I would just keep saying, Mommy, did, are you saying something to me? Because your tone of voice with Mommy, you can ask me in a kinder, gentler voice, maybe I'll understand. And so just that, I mean, try that and just stick with it. I mean, that's what I always, you know, just went back to. That's disrespectful. Okay, any other questions? Ms. Chelsea? Um, I have a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and then a four-month-old. Wow. And so um, my three-year-old is just very high-spirited. And, like, at the dinner table, I mean, he can be so silly and just so just wild. And 
I want to encourage, I mean, he's a happy kid, and I want to encourage that, but you give him, like, an inch, and then the boy, like, has his spaghetti in his hair, and he's falling out of his chair. And so I feel like I'm constantly almost curbing him, because, like, we just have, I mean, like, things have to stay in the middle of control, because if it gets out of control, then, like, we are all just all over the place. And I'm really not a control freak, but I just feel like I am shutting him down everywhere I turn. Because he just, if you give him an inch, he just takes 20 miles. And he goes from zero to like a thousand in like five seconds. And I don't really know how to encourage him to like express his personality without all of us just going into a complete tailspin. Well, I mean, are you, like at the dinner table, is it disrespectful? Or is he just like getting out of his chair and, and that kind of thing? Or is he playing with his food or, you know? I mean, it'll just be things where he'll be like, Mommy, knock, knock. And I'll be like... Who's there? And he'll be like, Turtle. And I'm like, Turtle who? And like, he just yeah. is like yelling. And then he's just dying hysterically. And then his brother starts dying hysterically. But then, like, he can't recover. Then it's, Mommy, knock, knock. And like, it just yeah. starts to, like, escalate. And like, then he's just well, lost just, his mind. Just say, you know what? At dinner, we have a two limit knock, knock joke rule. We can't do any more knock, knock jokes after two. You know, we have a two limit, two limit on knock, knocks. And so if you've got one more for me, go ahead and give it to me because I'm ready. I mean, just kind of, you know, try. Try to curtail, but you know I've heard milliisms give give it give sin an inch and before long it'll be a ruler. But anyways, so give him an inch and you know before long he might rule the. So you just got to kind of reel him in and say you know what there's two two joke limit at dinner on that and so so that's probably I mean just try that. But I mean it sounds like it's just silly good humor fun it's not making fun of somebody or but yeah i mean it's i mean there's a what do you recommend when 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 things are innocent like that but then they bleed into something else because then if if he does start getting really sick then he will like get up and if i say jackson sit down then he'll start being then he'll start being disobedient because he's just gotten so like then maybe dinner for him is over and you just have to decide what the consequence is going to be and you just have to follow it you know, you sit in your seat. I mean, we always have been. I hate to say this because I could get in big trouble for it, but we always had the seat at the table or seat in the car or seat, you know. And so when my kids were at a restaurant, they all chose the car one time.